This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 407 The Inner Game of a Seven Figure Hypnosis Business. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Hey there, and good morning. And yes, I say good morning very intentionally. Uh, I'm recording this right now. It's Friday. It's March 3rd. It is 6.48 a.m., and I am here at the Rosen Plaza where we are hosting the ICBCH Winter Hypnosis Conference. And we're about to kick into day two. I got here early to specifically record this introduction to share with you the presentation that I gave yesterday, which the full title is The Inner Game of a Seven-Figure Hypnosis Business, with a subtitle. I'm a big fan of the sequel format of titling things, How to Break Free of What's Holding You Back. And I've got to tell you, before we dive into this, two things. One, something that some of you may have heard me say before, it's one of those rare moments where I now give you the invitation to say that, well, option one, you could continue to listen to this recording, or option two, if you go over to the WorkSmartHypnosis.com website and put in the extension of WorkSmartHypnosis.com forward slash 407, well, the other option is that you could actually watch this presentation. Uh, we filmed it. Uh, the people who sign up for the ICBCH Winter Hypnosis Conference get access to the recordings of the main presentations and the audios of all the others. And that's an option to go and watch it over on the website or, again, continue to listen here on your favorite podcast player, whatever that may happen to be. And that's the first thing, is the two options of how to listen to this. The second is that I will openly tell you, this is a very different presentation than the style of what I typically will do, because I'll say it goes to a much more personal place, a bit more story, even talking about some of the themes that some of you may have run into. What is it that you do when you're being held back by your own thoughts? What is it that you do to really go after your goals? And it's probably the only place that I talk about some rather personal things, such as hitting a certain goal or really realizing that the goal was going to be possible and recognizing it was the right time just to kind of step off to the side and go, another time, not right now, not right now, which I'd kind of give you all one little phrase to go into this with, because you'll hear me say that without any sort of arrogance behind this, I'm somebody who tends to not necessarily live with regrets. I will say that if I had not gotten in my own way so many times over the years, maybe I'd be further along than I am right now. And it's a real peek inside the mindset towards how do you truly scale, I'm not even going to say your business, I'm not even going to say scale your income, though it is the story of how in 2022, I hit my very first seven-figure business year to the point that I, five minutes before jumping on the platform to give the presentation, looked inside of QuickBooks to verify, yep, there it is. Okay, good. I already knew it, but just that one little bit of doubt right before going up there go, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me look at the numbers. Let me look at the numbers. Okay. And it's like 8,000 over. It's like, wow. Okay. So that was like a couple of sales that made the difference. And Again, I'm not going to make this even about scaling income. I'm not even going to make this about scaling the business. I'm really talking about scaling your message. And you're going to hear the insights that, again, 
I share this in such a way that I don't want this to be just about my story, though you are very transparently going to hear a lot of, oh man, we go some places in the story. It also goes around to what is that internal dialogue that either drives you or holds you back? And make sure you stick through till the end, because I saved the message that I believe so many of you need to hear. And just to put it out there, this is going to be one of those episodes that even I go back and listen to myself, because we all have these moments, and you've had this, I'm sure, too, working with clients. It's the fact that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have everything in your life figured out in order to be qualified to help people. It's where sometimes the revelation that an expert might just be that person who's a couple of steps ahead of you. And sometimes you get to that place where you've gone as far as you possibly can on your own, and you have to reach out to the knowledge, the advice, the guidance of others to then move to that next step, which is the story that so many of us find ourselves inside of. And I'll tell you, it's the story of every single one of your clients. And as a preview of where we're about to go in this deeply personal presentation, when you realize the power of what you share with your clients, how dare you keep it to yourself? So before we dive in, again, a reminder, if you want to, you can go to the worksmarthypnosis.com website, throw in the extension 407. That'll bring you over to the show notes page of this episode where, again, you've got the option. You could watch it. Pretty sure I'm wearing purple. And option two, you can just continue to listen here. The other thing is, is that I'll just put this out there. I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear, you know, not just for the high fives and attaboys. Instead, I want to hear, you know, what stood out to you. I had so many people yesterday that came up and said there were moments of that that I felt you were talking directly to me. Uh, there were some tears in the audience. There was celebration in the audience. And that's why I uh, snuck out of the room, grabbed the card from the camera, made sure we had good audio. And that's why I am sharing this with you as fast as I possibly can. So here we go. Buckle up. This is session number 407, The Inner Game of a seven-figure hypnosis business. So I'm standing there in the doctor's office, and he says to me, now that you're standing here in your underwear, could I bring in an audience and make your day? And now part of me just doesn't want to finish the rest of the story, just to let that just linger for the next few days. <laughs> Though to rewind part of the story back, it's where I poke fun of this myself, and Richard pokes fun of it too. And uh, to correct it from earlier, the moment of making the video, we both look horrible. Uh, we had just been moving all the sound stuff. We were sweaty. We were tired. I was not saying anything about you, buddy. Looking great, though. <laughs> though to rewind part of my story back, it was about the time that I kind of found the system to really crack the code of weight loss which is when I was 17, I got mono and pneumonia at the same time. And as one went down, the other one went up. And as that one went down, the other one went up. And it turns out if you're like sleeping 18 hours a day, you can drop a whole lot of weight, it turns out. So it's about 24, 25 years ago that I dropped about 100 pounds and kept it off. And now I'm standing there in this doctor's office. Jason, now that you're standing here in your underwear, could I bring in an audience and make your day? I'm like. Just because I'm a sucker for words, I don't care what's about to happen next. I need the rest of the story. And so 
let's round out the details here. The surgeon, plastic surgeon, brings in his associate's death. And the issue is, let's just be transparent. My wife was the one at one point going, are you going to talk about this at some point? Are you going to turn this into a thing? I'm like, I'm going to do everything other than use the word skin as a promo code. But if you can guess the number of ounces they removed, that's the promo code that's active over on Works Down. No, no. <laughs> he brings in the other doctors, the other surgeons of this practice, and in my head, it's what would typically be considered a tummy tuck. He's now explaining, you've kind of got this extra, oh, let's go there, flap all the way around. We're gonna basically go 345 degrees around, not 360. So you'll have this little gap in the back and uh, the recovery's not too bad. So he brings in the rest of the team. I'm standing there in my underwear. Somehow I feel the need to point out after that experience, I replaced all of my underwear with new underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and he begins to go into lecture mode. This is a surgeon who teaches. This is a surgeon who's well known and he says, Jason has gone as far as he possibly can on his own. At this point, he has exhausted every single option, and this is the only option that's left. This is the textbook example, he says, and I'm saying this without any judgment anywhere else. I'm quoting stuff. Some are offended by aspects of this. I'll give you the doctor's name. He's right around the corner from here. It's where he says, most people who feel they need this type of procedure need to drop another 40 or 50 pounds. We're doing a whole bunch of extra stuff. We can see the two-pack, but here's the issue. And again, he hits that quote, and this is what stuck with me. And I'm somebody who generally sleeps exceptionally well at night. Uh, when my daughter was born, I made the mistake one time of saying that, oh yeah, Claire, she's a baby. She sleeps through the night. And Michelle, my wife, goes, you sleep through the night. <laughs> And I'm generally someone who, again, sleeps well. The experiences where something keeps me up is kind of what I'm going to be talking about here today. And it was this quote that Jason has gone as far as he possibly can on his own, and there's no other option at this point. And I then played the game of going, that sounds like a really good line. Let me go talk to another surgeon. Said the exact same thing. And it's that night, which the end of that story here, was that then the other doctors are going, no, I've never done one of these before. It's like purely this. And let's get very specific here. It's the day of the procedure. They've hooked in the IV. And he goes, I love this for doctor speak. Now that we've given you medications that alters your consciousness, I can't upsell you. We don't need to, but if I do the lipo here and here on your sides, I can drop the scar line an inch lower and have it be invisible. Just initial is I can't make you pay more for that. I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> and the end of this experience was that he's then inviting the other surgeons to be the spectators. He's going into teaching mode to then observe the procedure. They go 345 around and it's a wacky couple of months of healing. Uh, I had announced that, you know, here's what's going on. And that one quote, for someone to have gone as far as they can on their own, and it's the need to then reach out to others. I tend to be someone who, there's a phrase that I keep coming back to, and 
There's a moment a number of years ago, I loved Dan for everything that Dan shared during the presentation. Big round of applause for Dan. And some of you may know Dr. Frederick Mao. I was flashing back to, uh, without the humble brag in this, it was September 2019. Remember international travel? And somehow the Australian Hypnotherapist Association Conference decided, let's have opening keynote be this American, and closing keynote be that American, everyone else, it's Sheila Granger and a bunch of Australians. <laughs> and I'm hanging out with Dr. Frederick Mao, and he's talking about his opening keynote. And I go, oh, I've seen that presentation. He goes, I've added some things to it, let me know what you think. And he goes, Jason, what are you doing? I go, well, it's on Sunday, I'll figure it out by then. He's like, what? He's like, no, 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 I'm gonna be meeting everybody who's here, and this way, I can hear exactly what their needs are. And I'm going into this with a whole list of things that I know I can talk about, yet let me calibrate to this audience and see exactly what they need. So Dan, thank you for stealing 20 minutes of my talk. <laughs> you did it exceptionally well, though. Uh, but this, this phrase around going as far as we can, and I come back to this, and this was the thought process. I pulled a title out of thin air for this one of the inner game of the seven-figure hypnotist. Though really, I'd say the inner game of any scalable business. I'm always one to say that you can have the style of business that you want to run. It's where I love it. My two favorite moments ever on my podcast came from, where did she go? Where did she go? Where's Connie Jo? From Connie Jo which was that there was a moment when you were on, I believe, the first time, and it was this conversation around how I could hear the smile in your voice, I love how I can balance my hypnosis and coaching career as this thing on the side, because I also get to have this passion doing this other job. And then it was actually at this event last year, I'm like, we're getting you on again! It was the experience of the smile was even bigger, as it's now, this is the only thing that I do. I think of Rick Paddock, who briefly did a project called Hypnosis as a Side Hustle. And I'm just curious, who here is full-time at what they do? Awesome, awesome. I'll tell you why I love that. It's not just because I am just as passionate about the business side as I am the helping side. It's the fact that I kind of catch myself at times on these specific sort of riffs, not to just repeat, but these certain themes. and. We bring a client into our process, we produce content that's gonna be valuable to bring people into our world. And we often spend quite a bit of time in our professions by talking about what hypnosis is. We spend a fair amount of time talking about what hypnosis is not. And I'll go into hypno-teaching mode here for a moment. There's a way that I adapted my pre-talk a number of years ago because something stood out as being a problem. Can you name any other profession that begins by saying, we're not gonna do this, we're not gonna do that? Hey, we're bringing in this electrical company. Well, we're not gonna do your plumbing. <laughs> we're not gonna paint your house. No, they're talking about what they are going to do. So I had this intention to go, let's take a moment and look at this appropriate bias that's going on. There are people who are metaphorically, if not literally, raising their hands and saying, I want hypnosis. And it brings back the story of when I was opening up in Virginia and the gods of the internet opened up and the website Virginia Hypnosis was available. 
And so I jumped on that right away, and it was the fact that people in the state, Virginia, are looking for hypnosis. Let me speak to the people who have already made the decision that they're sold on what we do. And I was getting so much pushback from people in geographic areas around me, and that's how the first year launched, and it was a matter of fully booked schedule in the first year. But let's go back to this pre-talk example here, which briefly, today this is a process where it's a matter of following some rather simple instructions. You're gonna hear every word that I say, and you're gonna remember as much as you would from any normal conversation. It's from movies, it's from television. We get the idea that it's some sort of loss of control, some sort of loss of awareness, when instead, this is a very different experience. This is about helping you to take back control of those parts of life that, up until now, have seemed beyond your control. You know, the habits and behaviors, the emotions, the beliefs as well. Though the question that pops up more than anything else is, what does hypnosis feel like? How do I know when I'm actually hypnotized? That's where I found my approach is to kind of blend different styles together. So there may be some moments in this session where you feel this profound relaxation like you're sinking into that chair. Then again, there might be some other moments where it's this kind of light and floating sensation as if you're above your body looking down, which is kind of cool. And then there's these other moments, and these are my favorite, where you are feeling this life-changing, miraculous feeling that you're just sitting in a chair and I'm talking to you. <laughs> there's not one specific hypnotized feeling, which because of that, that's why I'm a big fan of making use of something that we call hypnotic phenomenon. Moments that are kind of magical for you, but they're also there for me. So that when I see you responding to this kind of technique, that means I can use this other kind of method. And when I see that you are much deeper in hypnosis responding to that instruction, oh good, now I can use that method instead. The other thing is sometimes you may find yourself so deeply interested in like every single word that I say. Sometimes. <laughs> Which means there's other moments where your mind wanders off to who the hell knows what. Really, let it. Because behind the scenes, we describe hypnosis as this bypassing of that critical part of the mind. So this is kind of a cool thing. When you notice your attention kind of coming and going, take that as a bit of a nod that, wow, I'm doing really well here. Uh, one last thing, though. And this story goes back all the way, I think it was like 2011. And I'm working with this guy. Everything in the session is going exactly as it should. And for him to be at the end of it going, I don't know if that worked. Like halfway through, my nose was itching. If I scratch my nose, does that pop me out of hypnosis? So because of Frank, I have to tell everybody now, you have to scratch, go right ahead. <laughs> Cough, sneeze, adjust. Really, I'm not judging. Make yourself comfortable. I have to say these things that I'm watching right now for who in the audience is scratching their face as I tell that story. We're not pulling up demos, but we found our people for that one. <laughs> Which let me kind of pull out of that for a moment and kind of talk through some of what's going on there. Again, where is the person right now in their story? They've gone as far as they possibly can on their own and they need something else to move to that next step. Could I commit hypnotic blasphemy real quick? Is that okay? Don't let this out of this room. There are people who have incredible, life-changing, miraculous experiences where suddenly the issue is gone and they did it on their own. Something happened, this is my whole philosophy of change, something happened and there's new criteria. And based on this new understanding, you cannot go back to the old way. And this is the way that I approach the work because you all heard this question before, what if it wears off? 
How long does it last? If you think about some of the most important or challenging moments in your life, where in a matter of moments, let's go here, a relationship started, or in a matter of moments, the relationship stopped. Might have been building up over time, but you can often pinpoint the exact moment. If there's a celebrity that you follow, then, then here's the story in the news. If there's a friendship that suddenly some new piece of information was there, or you'd be a fool not to ask your clients, and I randomly hit them with this pattern interrupt, what are you good at? And suddenly you hear these stories, and it's where out of their own experiences, there's something that they've already overcome on their own, and let's copy and paste, let's copy, you know, copy and paste, click and drag it over, bring up that experience. I had this woman a few weeks ago, what's the moment that makes you proud? She's in the session with me online to quit smoking, and it's the story, and since I've told this a few times, I've had people go, they're not supposed to do that. Uh, she's at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and brings the whole family, so it's no longer technically anonymous, but she's planning the day that she's gonna get up and speak. And she goes, I'd been sober on my own for six months, but it was the moment I said that in front of my family, in front of an audience, I knew I was done. And the nature of the session was entirely the end of it going, and notice how we haven't had to talk about cigarettes at all. Find that feeling inside of you, find that discovery inside, and bring that into this moment now. What do you realize? And that was it. So this pre-talk, they've gone as far as they can on their own, and they're at this place where we do have this benefit that our people usually have tried a little bit of everything else, which is where, and I know Ken speaks of this too, which I love this theme, which is you've got to do something to make the process different. If it feels the same as what they've already gone through, they are unconsciously telling themselves, I'm about to go through the same thing. So it's where, as much as I'm a systems person, as much as I want to think through about how do we put this together, it's where it's always going to be calibrated. What's their energy that they bring into the process? And this seamless transition, this is a process where you're going to hear every word I say, and remember as much as you would from any normal conversation. Which for that not to be true, you'd be dead. Or, yeah. <laughs> we hear, but how much do you remember of every single conversation? It's a true statement. The little bit of, uh, let's nerd out here with our NLP skills, the little bit of spatial anchoring is anything negative is over here. If you want one strategy to put into use right away, anytime you talk about a negative, distance and dissociate. It's no longer, well, if you have that craving, do this. When you have that fear, do that. No, you're suggesting them back into the problem. So rather than being this loss of control, oh, this is this thing I'm throwing all the way over here. Instead, this is a process of helping you to take back control. Those parts of life that up until now, oh, there's a loaded little phrase now, isn't there? Up until now has seemed to be beyond your control. So the habits and behaviors, the emotions, beliefs, customize as you see specifically fit. Notice that I'm now framing the interaction directly between me and you. The question that pops up, though, is what does hypnosis feel like? Well, let's bring our good friend in, the listing pattern, into this game now. It may be this deep and heavy relaxation. It may feel as if you're floating above your body, which is kind of odd and cool. Or, and I just go for the humor on this one, it may become this miraculous sensation that you're just sitting in a chair listening to me talk to you. There's not one specific feeling. Now, I'm starting to pre-frame a few things to their direction here, which is now because of that, we're opening up a loop 
and we're closing it right away. Because of that, that's why I'm gonna make use of some kind of magical moments inside the experience. Moments that are kind of cool for you, but they're mostly there for me. So when I see you're responding to this instruction, that means I can use this technique. And when I see you're responding to this technique because you're much deeper in hypnosis, anybody who ever has any concern about, is my client deep enough? Well, two things. Depth is a metaphor, and depth is a measure of suggestibility, how responsive, or if you're ever hesitant, just tell your client, you're going to be deep in hypnosis. <laughs> Funny how that works. We can give suggestions throughout the process. And when you're much deeper in hypnosis, that means I can use those techniques. So I'm kind of peeling back the curtain and saying, here's how this is going to work. Then from there, we can talk about other aspects. You're gonna hear things and so forth. The story of, and yes, his name actually was Frank, having to scratch himself. I can't tell you how many times I've had people, and this is not to put down any other professional in the industry. Oh, I saw another hypnotist years ago, and I was in my head the entire time because I had an itch. That was it. <laughs> that was the one block. So I share this, one, so it's something you can begin to put pieces of this into your world. If you go to um, the easiest plug I can do, worksmarthypnosis.com, that was podcast number one that came out a whole bunch of years ago. Because when you get to a place, when you've gone as far as you can on your own, you have to start to look around. The real message we're finding our way slowly into I'm talking about sleep here at times. That again, someone who generally doesn't have much of an issue with sleep, though these occasional moments where something pops up, has anyone ever had this before where here's this idea, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, and it's the, I'm acting on this now. Just me or am I the weird one? Yeah. It's where I talk about the mixture of people who are working full time, those of you, just to show of hands, how many of you are just part-time at this? And just out of curiosity, no harm here because we've already set it up, if the part-time aspect is entirely your goal, keep that hand up strong. Beautiful. You get to do whatever level of it that you want to do. How many of you are completely brand new and this is like the first thing that you're doing and um, we can now just tell them what we think hypnosis is and they're going to buy it. It's going to be really cool. <laughs> no, awesome. Good to have you here. My firm opinion is that as someone who, like Dan, like Richard, like many people here, Victoria, a whole bunch of names that are in the space, putting out content, things we can do around themes of, and I've done things all over the years for World Hypnotism Day, January 4th, only so many shopping days between now and then. It's where my firm opinion is the one thing that's gonna change this industry is for more of us out to be out there helping the public. For more of us out there to be changing that story on a grassroots level, and I go back to the very first time I went to a networking event. It was like round table networking, and it was a meeting where you could have people of all different styles. So around the table, I'm a banker, I'm a realtor, I'm a banker, I'm a realtor, I'm a banker, I'm a realtor, I'm a hypnotist, I'm a, wait, what? <laughs> which was really annoying because I was in the process of wanting to switch banks and I wanted to find a realtor. And I'm like, no, I wanna ask you questions. And I'm gonna say something to all of you that I need to be transparent. As I say it to you, I firmly believe it. I also believe it's an absolute lie, which is, back me up on this, people. You can walk into any room and you have the most interesting job of anybody there. 
Now, here's the reason that I say that's a lie for me. When I was working with clients more so in person when I was in Virginia, it was, what do you do? Oh, I'm up at this lab in Reston, Virginia. We split atoms, and I'm like, tell me more. <laughs> By the way, those of you just on that upward moving momentum of getting up and started, if you ask your client, when do you think this problem started? And they say to you, this is when, you do not want to respond, oh, I read that news story. Was that you? <laughs> Didn't build rapport. <laughs> Came back for the next session though, so I guess it was okay. So it's that ability to become fascinated by the people who are in front of us, to become curious about what's their story, what's their way into the problem, what's their way that they get out of the problem. What is that thing that we can look at and find every reason why, even as they make that first phone call, as they fill out whatever form on a website, as they do anything, you can identify with them as that result. And I hear this at times as to, well, sometimes, you know, just the people come in with their problems, people come in with their issues, and it just wears you down sometimes because you might be the person who's hearing something they've never told someone before. And I will say, if that's been the dialogue even just privately in your mind, you are identifying with the wrong part of your client. Connect with them as the result, bring them along for the ride, and in the time frame that I refer to as BC, before children, I was seeing 25, 35 people a week, one after the other, and it was all peak performance, all from a mindset of leaving the office with as much energy, if not more, than walking in. And sometimes you get to this place where you've gone as far as you can on your own, and you've got to move in another direction. I have a story that I will remain in a position to let some characters remain nameless. Your assumptions are absolutely correct, though. <laughs> Jason, we want you to be the voice of the message that online education is going to kill this industry. Online services are un ethical. And as we like, Will, stop laughing. And, we, and as we like to say lovingly, look what that unleashed. <laughs> and so when things are at their best, and for any criticism, I love what Dan said about hiring someone else to read things. Um, I can crack the joke that those of you that might have been at HypnoThoughts Live in 2017, uh, I gave the keynote that year at that conference. And I talked about three different emotional things that we all run into. One of them being superhero syndrome, this idea that we have to do it all ourselves. The other one being savior syndrome. I'm helping people. I don't know if I can turn this into a business. The other one being imposter syndrome, where we catch ourselves in our own minds. And I will say that was 2017, so I was full of it before most of anyone else was, apparently. Uh, it became trending, apparently, to talk about, oh, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough. But I go back to this moment where the biggest discovery, my real message, inside of everything I'm sharing, these stories that are coming around to a specific point, is that discovery that asking yourself one real question, what is that true motivator? What is that drive? What's the thing that keeps you going at what you do? What's the thing that possibly, okay, if this is the result, has you looking at where you are and saying, this is exactly what I want. This is good enough for right here, I'm happy with that. And if that's the goal, lean into it, enjoy the hell out of it. 
Yet I look at stories where you see this person who builds something and then it becomes what next? Which of course means I need to talk about Angela Lansbury because what else do you do at this point? <laughs> Theater background, so forth. Uh, there's this interview with her at one point where she had this renaissance in her career. Actress who was on a TV show called Murder, She Wrote, which was odd that somehow this one little lady was somehow always around these murders. Makes you think. And big stage career before, and it turned out the real renaissance of her career was thanks to becoming the voice of the teapot in the original animated Beauty and the Beast. And this interview was all about suddenly there were all these opportunities, there were all these offers that were coming in, and she was back on Broadway once again and doing what she loved. And the interview goes, what are you doing next? And at this point, she had to have been, I think, 70, 80 years old. And the way it was written was with a smile, she says, I have no idea if this is the last thing that I'm ever going to do. I have no idea if my life might end or if everyone else is going to decide that I've got nothing left in me and they decide for me my career is over or something even better is right around the corner. I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow and isn't that exciting? It's like, oh, that's good. Kept me up that night. <laughs> Slept fine last night, by the way. So we catch this moment where what is that driver? And I want to begin to break this out to all of you to ask a very straightforward question. And I'll go first here. For those of you that are seeing clients, can you isolate that one story that you are the most proud of? And I mean, not necessarily your story, but the story of that client where there was this clear before and after. And yes, we all say the same things. Oh no, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. Well, my version of that is all hypnosis becomes self-hypnosis eventually because they have to be guided through the process first to then understand this is what I'm supposed to do. So we all say, you know, thank you for letting me be a part of this. We all say, I'm helping you get out of your own way. Anyone else? Oh, we're actually helping to dehypnotize all the stuff that's been standing in the way. But I'm looking for those stories where you can look at this before and after journey and go, without any ego, without any sort of blowing up the head, I was a part of that. I've got two that come to mind. And then I'm going to come out to some of you because I want to hear these here because where we're about to go with this. It would be that here's this guy who had this horrible fear of public speaking. Now, those of you that have kind of tracked some of the projects that I've done in recent years, I've begun to expand out. Uh, there's a theme of vaudeville theater, which was the amateur changes their act, the professional changes their audience. Many of you in this room could double, if not triple, the size of your business by asking yourselves one question. What is it that I currently do that there's an audience that's starving for this? And they don't yet know that I have this solution. They've gone as far as they can on their own, and they need something else to get to that next place, just by asking a better question. My discovery was that my passion was working with public speakers. And it wasn't just a matter of the emotions. It wasn't just a matter of the stories that they were telling themselves. It was the fact that, well, as I now say, if you can't sell yourself on the fact that what you do is one of the best things in the world, how the hell could you ever sell it to somebody else? And it's whereas they were confident in their messaging, as they were clear on exactly the value that they were providing, the confidence went up. It's that speaking in some way is both tactical as well as 
emotional and looking at the specific linguistics to be able to make sure the language that they're speaking is activating the desires of the audience. The main reason that he called up originally was that, well, I've been at this company longer than most others, and I'm in the same position that I started. There's all these open roles that pop up, and they keep giving it to the new people because I'm the guy who, whenever there's a moment to present, they've started to figure out that I find a reason to call in sick. And I've been escaping it. They finally noticed the pattern, and they said, you've got to do something about this. So we work on the speaking. We work on the messaging, the languaging. We're hitting it from all angles. And again, I love the aspect of the story I said with Connie Joe a moment ago about when you hear the emotion, when you can hear the expression on someone's face, it's not so much the first part of the story. It's where he calls back like eight or nine months later, and you can hear the smile as he says, Jason, I've got a brand new problem. Like, what's up? He goes, I got the promotion. I have been speaking. I've been leading the team. I've been jumping into a training. I love this now, which that right there, by the way, changed my opinion. I'm like, I don't want to work with you if you just want to go to okay with this. No, if you want to go from challenge to world class, I can get excited about this. I have to borrow a line from Scott Sandlin. I will continue to work with you as long as you're seeing benefit and as long as you remain interesting. Love the way that he said that. <laughs> He goes, I got the promotion, which by the way, thank you, $60,000 pay raise. Like, that happened. <laughs> and I'm no longer irritable at home. My wife has definitely noticed a change. And here's the thing, I'm, I've got three teenage sons, he says, and like they're always bickering and stuff, but like with them, I don't have to say, look, you don't have to like each other, you just have to live with each other. But he goes, I keep having to use that kind of language at work, which again, not to make it about money, he says, $60,000, I can deal with it. And I know I've got some techniques that you shared with me and I know they're effective, I just know I get a faster response when I work with you. Can I come back? Like, absolutely, and made the time for him. Here's the reason why I will often highlight that story though, by the way. We say hypnosis works. The story demonstrated this guy got the result. If I can give you one linguistic secret to plug in, it's the pattern of the word, which ultimately helps you too. And what this little pattern of language does is it helps you to either reveal the problem of the problem or reveal the solution of the solution. It's where if you can be the person who's not just talking about losing weight, now that I've said those two words, I have to tell this other side story before we go to the second one, where Clients in the office, Jason, I know you've lost a lot of weight. He's down 40 pounds of fat since we started working. He goes, could I ask you something personal? And I'm thinking he's about to tell me, ask me about like what I do, how I eat, how I exercise. And he goes, I've been spending a lot of time in the shower. Oh, nothing weird or nothing. I'm just fascinated that my body feels differently than it did before. Like when I'm washing my legs, my fingers can touch the other side. And when I'm washing my back, the bump that used to be back there, it's gone. And he starts making this gesture. And I'm sorry that I'm locking eye contact with you as I tell the story. <laughs> and he goes, the biggest thing that I've noticed is my man boobs are gone. I am flat chested. How often do you hear that? Is that normal? I'm like, that is the weirdest effing thing that someone's even said to me. But I'm glad I can be that person for you. <laughs> if there's ever been a client on the fence... It's that result of the result anecdote that makes them go, this person gets what I'm going through. 
It's the, I'm dealing with this extra stress. It's the little 10-year-old girl who's now actually 26 and just friended me on Facebook the other day, so um, now I've changed the story because I said the name, because I said we can find her. <laughs> we'll say Denise, it was not Denise, who 10 years old, the mother calls up and she goes, I don't even know if this is something you can do with hypnosis, but somehow my daughter is convinced that you can make her less picky of an eater. Like she only eats yellow foods. Now, for a 10-year-old girl, she's eating yellow squash. She's getting vegetables. If I go to Trader Joe's, I can buy yellow carrots. And uh, she says chicken's yellow. I don't really think chicken's yellow, but she says it is. So like she's getting a balanced diet, but now that she's getting older, she wants to do sleepovers with the other Girl Scout troop, and even she says, I gotta get rid of this thing. And this is where I'm beginning the process. I always say to my clients, we will find a greater level of success with the fact that we never deny reality. So as we work together here, by the time we're done, you're gonna be, let's use my word, more adventurous with food. You'll find new things that you like. You'll also find some things that you realize you don't like. You know, for example, I'll try anything once. There's things that I go, I don't like this. And you know, it's not that I'm allergic. It's not that I'm repulsed. I just don't care for mushrooms. You know, it's just something that I don't like. My wife loves them, so she'll get them. It's the next appointment. There was this buffet in the area that they went there and she sat there with a notebook and tried everything methodically, came in with a list of all the new foods and little 10 year old girl sasses me going, I tried mushrooms, I like them, I'm better at this than you are. <laughs> Mother turns a beautiful shade of red as this little 10 year old angel says, mom, I made food my bitch, this is amazing. <laughs> So I wanna check in with some of you. What are, you know, make it brief, but give us the before and after. What's that story that you keep going back to? And yeah, I'll come to you. Um, my client had, has fibromyalgia and she had debilitating pain for 12 years. And I made, had, well, she made her pain go down to one. And now she's going out. Nice. Yeah. Who's got another? Angie, I saw you nodding your head, which means you raised your hand. <laughs> um, I had a client come in for weight loss, and in regression, she ended up going back to the womb, where she realized she's always been empathic. So she, since she was a little fetus, has taken on the world's emotions. As a result, would eat to cope with all the stress, and it was the biggest epiphany. It was so powerful for her. Love that. Round of applause. <laughs> I'm... Flashing back to a Navy chaplain who she could do services in multiple faiths to be respectful of everybody and spontaneously went to something she perceived as a past life and she goes, did I bring you there? Did you bring me there? I go, never leave the witness. Here's the process. She goes, well, isn't that interesting? That changes a few things. <laughs> Let's get one more over here. Yeah. Hey, Gloria. Hey, Jason. Um, I had a client who was a low-label sales clerk at CDS for years and everyone got promoted for her. And we worked together seven or eight times. And she's now a traveling senior supervisor, training supervisor in CBS. She travels all over the country. And she checks in with me every three or four weeks and said, you changed my life. I want you to know how much you changed my life. I love my life. Can't ask for more than that. Yeah. Now, I just want to get a few of these. And I'm not going to come out to everybody. But if you've got those stories like that that you can connect with, just raise a hand up and look around the room. And let me now make a statement. How 
dare you not let the world know? There's a moment where a bunch of family events all happened around the same time, nothing immediate. And it's a moment where massive respect for Dan for saying something similar to what I'm about to say. Here's something that was going on externally and I went, this might turn into something later. Let me go talk to somebody. I've got a friend who is a stuntman who had to go through this major spinal reconstructive surgery and says to his wife, let's sign up for marriage counseling. And she goes, is everything okay? He goes, yeah, it is. That's why we're going to do this. I'm not going to be myself. I can't do all these stunts. I can't do my work for like eight or nine months. Let's have a place where we can deal with whatever's going on. So at the end of this, we're still married and stronger. I'm like, we love that. We love that. And if you've seen the movie Divergent, by way of bad editing, he gets shot and killed twice in that movie. <laughs> That's Greg's claim to fame. And so I'm sitting with a psychologist and just kind of sorting through what's going on. And it's a moment where out comes from my mouth, well, it's only diagnosable if it's not serving you. And she goes, whoa, 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 hang on. <laughs> it's, like, it's only diagnosable if it's not serving you. She goes, I need to write that down. Like, my insurance is covering every bit of this. If you want to switch seats for a while, we can. She goes, well, how do you deal with it? <laughs> so I bring this up. Because again, the question I had, and this is not to elevate myself in any way, I've had people go, you do this podcast, you launched another one, you had this business in Virginia, and at a specific point, which is where we're going to close today, is where I turned the entire thing off and left it behind. And looking at these moments... I had someone one time say, how do you put out this amount of stuff? And what Dan said is absolutely true. We record the podcast like one day, I'll block off a half a day, record multiple episodes, video. I installed this rule in my head years ago that I'm never allowed to produce just one video. Act surprised later, this is gonna be the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast episode next week. Uh, hey, Captain Repurpose. <laughs> and it's by making that time for that. It's by putting that as a priority. And the reason I go to this place of business and promotion is someone said to me, how do you put all that stuff out there? And this was not meant to be a jab, and it was heard the way that I wanted it to be heard. What would happen differently if you believed in your message as much as I believe in mine? What would happen differently if in the back of your head you connect with the stories that you've got of your own? There's a classic quote from Jay Abraham, a marketing legend that I'll paraphrase, that it becomes your moral and ethical responsibility to let people know that a solution is out there. And we catch ourselves in these moments where we go into the what-ifs. We go into the yeah, buts. And my key message for every single one of you today is that sometimes we have those moments where there's something keeping you up at night and it's exciting, it's some aha, it's some epiphany, but there's also those moments where something is keeping you up because it's making you uncomfortable. There's a project, there's a thing that you are considering and you're weighing in your head all the effort it might take and we catch ourselves in this pattern. I'm not gonna make this about imposter syndrome, but we catch ourselves in this pattern of fearing judgment. There's a story 
then I'll make two statements before I go into it. Three of them, actually. One, Richard, no, I'm not going to say the word. <laughs> two, it's involving the comedian actress Sarah Silverman. And three, now you know the word, and I'm definitely not going to say it. <laughs> and it's a moment where she's active on Twitter, she's posting stuff about her life, she has a podcast or something of that nature. And in the words of the wise philosopher Taylor Swift, haters gonna hate. Hate, 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 and that's why you just need to shake, shake, shake it off. <laughs> Did you catch that it was Sarah Borelli's Brave? Like when I go to the gym and I'm lifting weights, it's like all chick rock. I mean, let's just call it out. Best concert I've ever been to, Pink. Every song was the best concert I've ever been to, seriously. <laughs> And so there's this moment, though, where comedian, actress, someone with a style to her that's not for everybody, posts some things online, and this angry person starts to respond. And what happens next is one of these stories that you can look this up. You can find all of this documented. It is incredible. And to be fair, I'd say the story could be just about anyone else who's famous, anyone who's here. It's that... Sometimes on the internet, there's these things that live under bridges uh, called trolls, <laughs> and they come out, and they maybe don't have an actual photo as a profile, they're hiding behind something, and it's this intention just to push, just to prod, just to see what kind of reaction that they can get. And rather than go into classic comedian mode, heckler stopper, crush the person in the audience, it's on Twitter, it's public. She responds. And suddenly, a public dialogue opens up. He's angry. And his anger's got nothing to do with her. The anger is around this pain condition that he's dealing with. Nothing is helping him at all. And he says it himself, basically, he's taking it out on the world. And I believe, if I have the rest of the story correct, they're in the same geographic area in California. She goes, here's the doctor who I see for that. People want to then organize a GoFundMe because this man doesn't have insurance. And it's this moment where the troll transforms because it's a real human. Some of those people like that. I've always said this about what we do. There's people who their life is absolutely in shambles, and those are not the people who often reach out to us. The stereotype of who you would think would come to see us is not often our clients. I've often found that our people are the ones who, hey, things are going great, it's just that one thing, tend to be those that are more in this personal development journey. And when I saw this story happening in real time, I began to follow it. And sometimes there's this balance that as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you become that person who feels a calling who feels a responsibility to solve a problem that's not your own. And sometimes for some of us, it's to solve the problem as to the problem you dealt with a decade ago, years ago, whenever it might be. And when we talk about this J. Abraham line, the moral responsibility, this ethical calling, person goes, how can you put that much stuff out there? How can you keep producing new things? And the response what would happen differently if you believed in your message as much as mine? What would happen differently when we step out of that comfort? I have found the greatest threat to most of our happiness 
Most of our well-being is comfort. When something feels it's going fine, that's where I call it a positive dissatisfaction, <laughs> kicks in to go, what would happen if I threw a wrench into this and just to see what would happen? Which let me say to you, when things are going well, that is the best time to experiment. When things are working, that's the best time to throw something into the mix and go, what happens? It's where Dan mentioned something that I shared with him, a way that I began to bring my clients in through a paid strategy call on a website, there was a video they would watch. Here's what the program is. If it's this, it's this price. If it's this, it's that price. However, you're not gonna pay that today because there's a button below to simply pay a $200 deposit to then schedule the call. Assuming we end up working together, that becomes a payment toward the program. In specific language, write down these words. In the rare chance it's not a fit, it takes me three clicks of a mouse to give you your money back. And I did that at a time where schedule was full. And then it turned into, holy crap, I should have done this sooner. <laughs> when things are going well, so we catch ourselves in this pattern. Well, let's go to that story, which I, I wanted to lead with the Sarah Silverman reference here, because now we have the end of the story. Now I have inoculated myself getting extremely cynical, <laughs> which is to say that we often catch ourselves in this pattern where we're afraid to do something because of what someone else out there might think who is terrified of doing it themselves. The things that offend us personally are the things that go against our morals. We find offense. We get hurt by a public story and it affects us. Let's call it sympathy, call it empathy where we are aligning. If we want to go nerd science on this a moment, mirror neurons are firing off. But we find this connection. And something happens differently when you take the thing that perhaps scares you the most and go for it. And I look at this through this angle of being able to measure what are those places where you've gone as far as you can on your own and something else needs to happen. I don't tend to be someone who lives with regret. I tend to be one who also is an expert at um, rationalizing things. <laughs> there was a specific goal I had in 2021, and I got to a point in December, and some of you are familiar with the story, that suddenly it was, we had just moved here, I had closed down the business that built everything that I had to go, I see there's a different way to do this. And my specifics, I love that Dan got into the specifics of his. The beautiful thing is that your specifics may be entirely different. It goes back to the first day standing in an office back around 2009, paying the first month's rent with a credit card because I didn't have the money. And it was the thought of, now I have to make this work. The opposite of this metaphor, anyone with small kids, have you ever tried to get them out of a swimming pool? <laughs> now, I'll openly say that the jump in, and I've got to figure this out, may not be right for everyone's situation. I do things rather differently now that house, family, we helped my parents retire and move down here as well. Yet it was looking at the question that was keeping me up. What's the thing that scares me? And it's part of the story, 
as to why I could not sell Virginia hypnosis. And it's that we all get caught up in this message as to what's your niche? What's your brand? What is it that you do? And I'm here to tell you, your niche is not what you do. Your niche is not who you serve. Your niche is who you are. And it's who you are to that audience. And as I see a lot of heads nodding, let's go back to those stories that so many of you raised your hands and said, either out loud or to yourselves, here's that story that defines why I do this. Where Dan and I, back in like 2015 or 2016, we taught a class together, and the aha that we had was that he was up in the Massachusetts area, I was in Virginia at the time, we would continue to have the same friendship, even if he was right down the road. There is no international celebrity in this industry. There's names that we all know. There's a time that I had taught a class in Vegas. I'm flying back by luck. Two of the students were behind me on the airplane, and they're poking me going, no one's bothering you. I'm like, what do you mean? They're going, you're famous. I'm like, mm, big fish, small pond. <laughs> in the words of Scotty, who I think some of you have talked to who works with me, Jason's a really big deal to a very small selection of people. <laughs> My kids, apparently the measurement of success is that I have two YouTube channels. That's the measurement here. Yet we catch this moment where asking that question, what's the thing that terrifies you? And for me, it was the fact that I had built this business that was named originally with this idea, Entrepreneur Mind, Tim, Hour, Tim Ferriss, Four Hour Work Week, make it something that I could then hand off to someone else. And that brand was me. And so as I shut the doors down, Technically speaking, the LLC is still running in Virginia because I bought the building and it's a tax strategy, but don't ask me questions on that. But as I shut it down, it became, what's gonna happen next? Is the next big thing around the corner? Or is this the last thing I'm gonna do? And you have to go, whoops, my bad, let's go back. <laughs> so it's this balance. We talk about motivation. I think it was actually Larry who was referencing this and whether it was you or whether it was your father, that motivation, there's always a stick involved. You're either poking with a stick to incite pain or you're dangling a carrot at the end of the stick to move them towards pleasure. Was that you or your father or that came from somewhere else? That's, yeah, that's Dave. <laughs> and it's where we are people that are moved in different directions and it's always this system where the two are running at the same time. What is it that you're moving towards? Yet also to be very clear, what is it that you're moving away from? And we can get into the topic of motivation. We can talk about how to overcome procrastination. And really what I've made it a point to share with you today are those unconscious drivers that I keep refining in my world, the ones that I, at times, have gone as far as I can on my own and then realize it's reaching out to someone else. And I have this whole rant that I get into with imposter syndrome, let's make it brief. The movie and the book, The Bucket List, pulled off something incredible. The book was an amazing hit. I think Oprah featured it, so why not? The movie should have done better. Directed by Rob Reiner, uh, Jack Nicholson, Morgan Freeman, Sean Hayes from Will and Grace. Well done. Yet the movie kind of just did all right. Here's the thing though. The term, The Bucket List, did not exist until that book came out. The book and a movie, which did okay, created this cultural shift where immediately 
your life can change in a matter of moments. Suddenly something was introduced and it became this theme that this has always been there. There were things on like BuzzFeed. What are the seven things to put on your um, bucket list? What is this person's bucket list? And it was accepted into the culture so rapidly despite the fact that the thing itself wasn't a critical success. So what would happen differently if you operate from this passion of those stories that you've heard from others or you maybe have of your own? What would happen differently as you ask yourself that question, the people who would say nay, the people who would have an opinion, the people who I am fearful of their judgment, are actually the people who are probably more afraid to do the thing that I'm thinking about doing. And also, as somehow imposter syndrome is trending, what if, just like the bucket list, you could step into a reality where that never existed? Somebody never put those words together. Which here are some words that I put together. When you're the person who does the thing, you're the person who does the thing. And as we brought in themes of unstoppable confidence and redesigning your hypnotic life, I connect to these stories. I connect to the stories of my clients. I connect to many of you here that have said nice things about me already. Thank you. <laughs> and what are the people that launched their business as a result of what we shared? What are the people that changed their families as a result of what we shared? So often we catch ourselves in this internal story. And remember, distance and dissociate. It becomes the strategy to rise out above of where you are right now and ask, what's that legacy? I was sitting in the audience at a presentation last year. I was in a room where as much as I give my rant about imposter syndrome, oh, what if it didn't exist? I'm in this room that in 2021, I saw this one goal and then here was December, I saw the pathway to get there, and then suddenly my parents can't travel down for the holidays because my father's getting a brand new Christmas gift, he's getting a pacemaker. And it was, oh, I'm recording this, it was a very awkward Christmas as some other family members were present and throwing tantrums worse than my eight-year-old. Uh, <laughs> and it was this moment of going, I'm good. Yeah, I'm done for the year. I'm gonna take a little bit of a break turn things off. So find those moments where you push and drive. Find those moments where you just step away. I say work smart <laughs> because inherently lazy was too many letters for the website. Um, no one go by inherentlylazyhypnosis.com. No, I'm calling dibs. Uh, someone did buy work smartest hypnosis as a gag though and did point it back in mind though. And it was where in 2021 I stepped away and went, I'm good for the year. So find that drive, but also find that moment to just turn it off. I shut down like crazy. There's a moment, no negativity behind this, where I had the family that was the generation, you work hard because that's the measurement of success. Five hour round trip every week, they had a rental property. We're gonna clean it ourselves because no one else can do it as well as we can. When I called it work smart hypnosis, my father goes, I see what you did there. Smart ass. <laughs> I'm proud of you. And to be part of the story of helping them to close down the business, the words that we say, this is my moment of not trying to tear up, where wedding photographers and pandemic shut down a whole bunch of events. And the journey of part of the reason why we moved was to go, well, cost of living here. <laughs> and second of all, let's live in the place where we vacation. 
And also at the same way, we're going to have to do some supporting family members along this journey. And all it took was the moment to go, Dad, do you really want to live in Springfield, Virginia? He goes, I couldn't say that. <laughs> we're talking about going down there and we're talking about not coming back. What about the business? I'll figure it out. There's an awkward Thanksgiving one year where the family member says, well, you know, in my field of engineering, there's only three companies you can work for, otherwise you don't have a job. And I then automatic response, well, there could have been a fourth. Got very quiet. <laughs> Dad pats me on the back, calls me a smart ass again. <laughs> but we catch this moment where, what is that drive? What is that journey that we're going through? What are those people's stories that you were a part of? And how dare you keep that to yourself? We find greater confidence in our presentations. We find greater confidence in our writing, in our speaking, in our everything that we do when you're the person who does the thing and you become the person that comes, becomes the thing. And it's one of the rare moments where I'm there in the house in Virginia Beach where I grew up and I said, I'm taking your laptop, I'm going upstairs, I'm writing something, you will see it when everybody else does. Because we catch this moment where we tie our identity to what we do. And that was the story. And after 40 years of being the only husband and wife team who shoots wedding photography and nothing else, we are proud to share that we are now retiring. And it's not that the pandemic shut our business down. It's that we saw it as an opportunity to take a step to the side and spend more time with our grandkids and focus now on what's important. And congratulations to the final 12 couples who already have contracts that we all keep rescheduling the events of their dates of their wedding. <laughs> six weeks, right? <laughs> who will be the last weddings that we shoot before migrating south to live with our kids. And when you change that story, when you own the story, the story is not what it is, the story is what you tell it. So I'm gonna give you a bit of a call to action here because it's so easy to fall into comfort. And it's this balance between comfort and fear and I'm here to tell you the thing that scares you the most is often the thing that you are the most called on to do. It's the thing that, I always go back to this one person I knew in the business networking world, she redesigned kitchens. And just somehow this one little catchphrase of her stuck with me. She goes, no one ever regrets building the kitchen of their dreams. And we catch this moment where there's this propulsion system. Here's what feels easy. Here's what is okay. And if that's the goal, lean into it. But at the same time, here's this other force that might be the thing that keeps you up, might terrify you. And my real message here is that often it's this internal story of judgment from those that are more terrified of it than you are. And as we look at the work that we do, the one thing that's going to change this industry more than anything else is for more of you, more of us to be out there with this grassroots movement, more people telling the story. Where I shut it down in 2021, restarted 2022, and um, the trolls came out, and here was this thing going, well, Jason moved because he's not going to see clients anymore, which look at the calendar, yes, it was. And it was this, oh, he's only doing this now because he's doing the trainings. 
And inside of my head, I had been holding on to the story that you owe it to a specific group to stay the same. And I went, or not. What can I do better by amateur changes their act, professional changes their audience? And I leaned in. The goal was the first year hitting the seven-figure mark. And I saw the pathway in 2021, and I looked up the number as soon as Dan said something, and it's where in 2022, we're about to file, um, hitting one zero 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 zero. no, what's the number? Uh, million, 8,000. Like, we pushed it over just by 8,000, hit that seven-figure mark for the first time. I looked into it, uh, 197,000 was paid out to others, whether that's co-productions, whether that's staff, if it ever looks good. It was at this event last year that Martin Peterson was here that year, and he goes, Jason, but your stuff always looks good. You're such a great designer. I'm like, that means I didn't do it. <laughs> but I come back to this, and it was this moment of going, I hit it. And we can find these personality assessments, things that often will stack. What are your motivators? What are your goals? And as much as the money part was part of that goal, it brought me into a room where there were seven-figure business owners as well, eight-figure, nine figures. And I'm sitting there going, for the guy who says that imposter syndrome is BS, oh, I get it now. <laughs> and it was looking at, though, what's the driver? And something that Dan said beautifully, it's that person to be that job creator, that person elevating others. At the same time, too, it goes back to the work that we do. <laughs> we go back to the moment of the person who threw out the cigarettes and now repaired their marriage. What's the ultimately moment? What is the result of the result? What's the benefit of the benefit? What's the avoid the problem of the problem? We need to dig a little bit deeper inside of all that we do. We also need to dig a little bit deeper inside of who we are. Because when you firmly believe that what you do is one of the best things in the world, how dare you keep it to yourself? Thank you. Jason Lynette here once again, and we're going to wrap up this episode a bit differently than normal. Okay, I get one. Head over to WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com because we do have a live and online certification training coming up very soon. And if you're listening this far into the episode, thank you. Uh, and check that out. We do have an event coming up rapidly. It's the live and online training that I do. I co-host now with Richard Nongard. And the thing about the WorkSmartHypnosis Live event, again, WorkSmartHypnosisLive.com, is that it's kind of interesting how about half of the audience Maybe those of you that be brand new to hypnosis and like this is the first thing that you're officially doing. And the other half of people, this is part of why I kind of changed my organization that I'd partner with because I was getting pushback at one point that, hey, this person's already certified. Why are they taking a training again? It's because there are so many frustrated hypnotists out there. You have a lot of knowledge. You've gone through a ton of training, but then how the hell do you put it all together? And we find sometimes these moments, I've been there too, where you're in session and you're like, how do I really help this person? Nothing's working. What do I do instead? And without any arrogance behind this next statement, I was selling out the trainings on my own. And I saw the value of doing this partnership with Richard because it's his brand of evidence-based hypnosis 
combined with my approach to hypnotic phenomenon for change, not just hypnotic phenomenon for an oh wow moment, but again, hypnotic phenomenon for change. So your client can truly feel the outcome taking place. There's an instant gratification aspect of their problem. And because of that, you need to have an instant gratification experience inside of your session. And a lot of people say, oh, the hypnotic phenomenon's not necessary, and you're entitled to your opinion. I want to listen to your clients instead. And that's why, as we partner these two things together, and yes, you get to learn from people who find creative ways to get their clients to similar outcomes, but with very different pathways. Well, the other thing to mention here is, again, I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, Jason at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. That's my email address. That comes directly to me. And I'd just be curious to hear from you what themes stood out, what messages from this presentation I just shared spoke to you. And hit me an email back, Jason at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. Love to hear your feedback to activate your inner game as a thriving hypnotic professional. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to chatting soon. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at WorkSmartHypnosis.com. 